is the Desperate Mothers Podcast. CJ Watson and the Mothers of Desperation discuss ongoing work behind the scenes of their sketch comedy channels and the upcoming web series, The Bunny Rabbit Tragedies. Bunny rabbits and vampires and onions living together? Oh my. Check out what these desperate mother are up to this week. Welcome to the Destin Brothers Podcast. I'm CJ Watson, and with I'm me today is... Jason Rice. How Jason, you doing? Yeah, yeah. We actually referenced Jason a couple times in the past, because Jason was around when the Bunny Rabbit tragedies went from an idea that I had to... To a rabbit. Well, well, he was a rabbit. He was actually... <laughs> <laughs> the bunny rabbit tragedy started as a easter gift for sarah yeah. and i thought wow i had this idea for a show i need to work out the story arc so yeah we were look we were working on season one yeah a long time ago forever and then real life happened <laughs> yeah i like i was saying i, I remember remembering to call and see if you guys were doing anything. <laughs> yeah, for a while there, we were just, uh, you know, trying to make money and eat. Food. Yeah. I've just been kind of hanging out, <laughs> reading comics. <laughs> yeah, so since then, uh, the um, Klaus has gone through a few iterations. Cool. Um, I think two of them, there's four four versions of Klaus in here with the the final being the one with the dilated pupils over there that went to um, Kamikaze with me on Halloween. Cool. Cool. So I saw weird fat guy with a bunny rabbit puppet on his arm. That was me, by the way. <laughs> Klaus looks like he's stoned. Well, he is hungry. He's very dilated pupils. Yeah, yeah. And that's what happens when when the bloodlust overtakes you. You become all bloodthirsty and stoned looking. <laughs> but in between those stages, you see they got the green puppet and the red puppet over there. Those were other styles. I know most of these weren't around way, way back. Yeah, these are all new to me. I think there was like, there's like about 18 puppets in the studio here, and that's a, about half of what's in the house. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the first generation, or I should say the second generation of Klaus puppets, uh, which were the, little, the light brown one and the, and the gray kind of heather one over there and the other white one beneath Klaus, those have been repurposed, and they are about to be zombified. Rock and roll. For uh, a little sketch I'm doing called The Hopping Dead. Bunny zombies. I can see it. I can see this. So what I wanted to do is I want to take Klaus and Desmond from the Bunny Rabbit tragedies and then put them in another situation where they kind of take off The Walking Dead. It's kind of like uh, Rick Grimes and Shane. So they're like share. Okay, so first season. <laughs> well, yeah, because Shane's alive. Yeah. 
Yeah, but like I said, just a little sketch, something funny, and then maybe. So people... Rick's still a badass, but he's not a super badass yet. No, nah, yeah, 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 <laughs> right. He's not. So this would be Klaus as. I don't know. Klaus as Rick something, Rick Bunny. <laughs> Klaus as Rick Bunny. Trying to save his bunny. But the, see, the interesting thing about that is in, in that one, I guess we'll have props and everything because you have to sell it. Yeah. Because you can't shoot bunny zombies in the head with twigs or acorns. You could, but it'd be lame. It would. How do you, how do you explode a bunny head with an acorn? Right, yeah. You, would have you need shotguns and knives. You do, you do. Otherwise, the the bunny zombie apocalypse is not believable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not buying the zombie bunny the zombie bunny apocalypse. There's not a single gun in it. <laughs> they just hop around. I want to know how these guys on The Walking Dead can be so good and aim because they don't waste ammunition at all. And it's always a headshot. They've never fired a gun before the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. And they never waste ammo to, like, target practice. Yeah. I mean, Rick's the only one who's actually fired a gun before because he was a sheriff. But everybody else was just Joe Podunk. Right. They probably didn't own a gun, let alone, you know, went to the range on a regular basis. Yeah. It's true. It's like everybody can pick up a gun and headshot a zombie. I don't care. I, I I went to the range when I was a kid. You know, I've been shooting out here. Uh, haven't been in a long time, but I've been shooting just like, you know, a, a lot of people in this area. And I remember when I was like 14, 15, single barrel shotgun, walk up to something four or five feet away. I didn't hit it. <laughs> <laughs> It was a shotgun. I was four or five feet away. I did not hit what I was aiming at. Yeah. Now, I'm a, a relatively good shot. Mm -hmm. And you give me a hand cannon within 50 yards, I'll hit center mass, but I'm not going to hit you in the head. Yeah, 50 yards is quite a shot. And uh, a human head regardless of what some people think, can be quite small. <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's a heck of a marksman deal, hit a head from <laughs> 10 yards away, let yeah. alone, you know? That's just, that's tough. Yeah. You're going to have to get it right close to make sure you're popping zombie heads. And it's not just the head head. I mean, if you go through the, the lower head, and you shoot it, and you don't hit that that spinal column, or the you know the yeah. If the you brain just take stem. out the jaw, yeah, they're still coming. Right, right. You've just, of course, they're probably gonna have a little bit of harder time eating you. Kept them from biting, but <laughs> they can still probably stab you with a couple of the bone shards and teeth <laughs> yeah. left. Still a dangerous thing. You don't want to get yeah. too close. I don't. I don't want to get gummed by a zombie. Right. It's probably not fun. <laughs> yeah. They're just. It's icky. So if you didn't have guns, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Um, in the in the Walking Dead, they've got the character um, with the bow and arrow, or the crossbow. Um, what's his Daryl. name? Daryl. Daryl. Thank you. I, w I was stuck on Merle, his brother. Yeah. 
Merlin Daryl. Um, he and, and I get the crossbow, but still, crossbow doesn't have that good a range. I mean, crossbow's gonna drop off a lot quicker than than a bullet. Yeah. I guess it's gonna part and fleshy. Understand, parts. you get one shot, and then you're stabbing things. If you've got one zombie, you're good. If you've got six zombies, you're kind of screwed. Depends <laughs> on how close they are. Yeah, because yeah. then you're dropping your crossbow and you're putting your bolt on. You're crank, you're you're cranking that that uh, the the draw string back, and yeah. then that's some effort. So and those things aren't easy to you know. You're using the side of the crossbow to crush in skulls, and you know these zombies. My thing is, how long have they been out there? It's been like five years now, right? Yeah, some of those zombies are five years old. Most of these zombies should have rotted away by now. Most of these zombies, the muscle should be gone. Maggots should have eaten it. I mean, you're still making new zombies because when you die, you come back as a zombie. But there's not that many people left to die and populate the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, the fuel for the zombie war machine <laughs> has long ago run out. Yeah, you would think that. I had the idea not not too long ago when I was working up a, a zombie movie script. It was really, really disgusting because if you got zombified and turned into a zombie, your flesh is dead, your body's decaying, how long until your skin falls away? How long until your muscles pop off? I think for the first three weeks, you're a hell of a scary active zombie. Oh, yeah. You know, but six weeks, nine weeks, 12 weeks, about the nine to 15 week, I think you are a scary walking nightmare. I think half your muscles have, have fallen off your body, and what's left of you is shambling around, covered in maggots and whatever else worms is eating through you, and you are still trying to eat brains. Yeah. A little slower, a lot more scary, smelly and disgusting, but a few weeks after that, and you're a puddle on the ground. Yeah, there's no connective tissue left. At some point, the meat just rots. So then are you like a, a brain stem? I mean, so I guess the brain's the, not rotting. The brain's got to rot, too. It's got to rot. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point, you're like... Like, the guts are going to jellify before the meat does. Yeah, yeah. And the brain is just liquid gut. Uh, cholesterol, right? Yeah, brain's it's, cholesterol. It's... If you took a brain out and just let it sit for a day, it would become goo. It wouldn't stay brainy that's why they put them in glass jars and crap oh right so they can put them in the robot bodies afterwards later. yeah otherwise it won't be worth anything yeah that's why they put hitler's brain in a jar i think actually hitler's brain is going to be put into an animatronic version of walt disney <laughs> i don't even remember what we we're talking about we we're talking about zombies oh yeah the rotting zombie flesh and, and the goo flesh. Yeah, I somehow get this picture in my head of like a zombie brain with eyeballs still attached by the optic nerve, barely able to look around, and that's it. But I, I imagine it would be trapped in its own skull. Yeah. And if it was wearing a hat, it wouldn't even be able to see anything. <laughs> but 
really, I think it's yeah, the zombie apocalypse happening, and actually, it's the premise for this uh, this other thing that I'm working on. That when the zombie virus, zombie outbreak, whatever takes you, all they do is quarantine the area until it burns itself out. That would work. So yeah, there's real zombie outbreaks going on in the world right now. They just call them Ebola or something, quarantine them, let it burn itself out, and then it's safe to go in after like six weeks. Not going to get bit by a pile of sludge. Well, you want to clean that up, but yeah. So yeah, I maintain that the zombie apocalypse is real, or the, the, the zombie virus outbreak, whatever, is real. And um, it happens all the time. Okay. Doctor, Doctors Without Borders is actually a covert military organization sponsored by the World Health Organization to um, quarantine and control the zombie virus. You're, a, you're an interesting man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till I talk about the vampire virus. <laughs> But these are actually stories I have, uh, ideas that I have for movies. Okay. The, the zombie one is probably going to be the, the one I work on right after the first season of Bunny Rabbit Tragedies. Okay. Yeah. It'll be a found footage film, but it, it's going to be based on that's the theory of the zombie virus and, and how it works today. So there are pockets of zombie outbreaks. But they just quarantine them. Yeah, like uh, like the measles and Ebola. Though they couldn't quarantine the last measles outbreak because it was freaking Disneyland. <laughs> You've got to stay in Disneyland. Ride Small World again. And meanwhile, the the Walt Disney animatronic that's powered by Hitler's brain is no no they cannot stay here. <laughs> <laughs> the worst, the worst German. It's ten dollars for a cheeseburger. Oh my god! <laughs> they will discover my secret. <laughs> you know because uh, Joseph Mengele's brain is powering the. Uh, the Abraham Lincoln Abraham animatronic. <laughs> and the measles outbreak was just one of his experiments that got out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you spend too much time in Club 33. 32. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the bigger experiment was to see if we can get the, the Abraham Lincoln animatronic to actually ingest alcohol. So that way it can make its way to his brain. I think it was successful because <laughs> we got the measles outbreak in Disneyland. When did that happen? The measles outbreak? Yeah. That's this last week, two weeks ago. Didn't hear anything about oh, yeah. it. It's because I'm so up on the news. I pay attention. That's why you haven't seen any news about the zombie outbreaks. <laughs> <laughs> And they, they've had snow, like, back east. Okay. Like, they were preparing for uh, uh, the Ice Age. 
Oh, they anticipated a huge um, blizzard. So they put like a no travel alert out. And I think in New York there was, or I think it was New York, they put a um, non-essential travel ban. And like one of the mayors issued a warning saying, if you're out on the road and you don't need to be, we're going to do a rescue. Somebody was listening to Al Gore. Just don't listen to Al Gore. <laughs> well, it wasn't a global warming <laughs> thing. So yeah, that was uh, that was the news this week. That and ISIS beheading that other Japanese journalist. Yeah, that's very sad. I don't it, I don't have a joke for that. It is horrible. It is horrible. So yeah, you, the I think the thing that strikes me is that you think that Americans usually are the only ones in danger when you think of stuff like that, but it's everybody. Yeah. And hate groups just hate. And And they kill more of their own people than anybody else. You don't don't come to power with, you know, planting roses. They didn't get there by selling poppies. No. Well, some well, they might did. have <laughs> selling opium to buy guns <laughs> to, to shoot their neighbors. Those kind of poppies. Uh, yeah, the CIA type of poppies. Yeah. But uh, good stuff. Um, yeah, I was looking for Disney uh, in the news, and all I see is Disney introduces Elena, its first Latina princess. Really? So there's a... Latina Disney princess? Well, now there is. I miss that animated feature. Oh, I think it's going to be new. Um, she's going to make her debut on Disney Junior's animated show, Sophia the First. Ah. So she hasn't actually debuted So she's yet. not. No, no, they're feature. not going to actually have her until 2016. So, ah. so. Get your Disneyland visits in right now because they still have have not acknowledged brown people yet. <laughs> I mean, they're just they're just saying they're going to Disneyland, which well, is like they they have acknowledged brown people, just not the light brown people. The light brown is true. It's true. They got all up in China's business with Milan. Yeah, they know where their their bread is butter. They know <laughs> who but who supplies the butter for their bread, yeah. or something like that, <laughs> or the the. The noodles for their ramen. <laughs> My son Caleb was all, China's our friends because they make all our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not the way it works. <laughs> I was listening to somebody and they were telling me that uh, you have to worry about China because China might want to go to war with us. I'm like, why would they even want to? Because as soon as hostility started, we would just like say all of our debt <laughs> is done. China needs us as, as their we're their biggest customer. <laughs> we're the world's biggest customer. Their, their whole, it's in their best interest to keep us fat and happy, and <laughs> buying stuff from them and borrowing money from them. Yeah, like my guitar. <laughs> this is a nice guitar, made from China, made in China by Chinese. Yeah, um, there I was think, a I think poor, was, Chinese kid. I th- yeah, it was away. it was glossed and buffed out with the the tears of a nine year old Chinese child. I don't doubt this. Whose rag was probably newer than the clothes he was wearing? 
I would feel sad about it, but I know that I paid them, so he's going to eat. He might have gotten beaten, but <laughs> somebody might have gotten beaten. <laughs> I don't know. That first guitar went someplace else. I can't imagine <laughs> they were very happy about having <laughs> to make it again. But I appreciate the Chinese and their hard work. But no, truthfully, it's probably made by a political prisoner, somebody who was fighting for freedom. <laughs> Look at C.J. Watson. <laughs> he goes to bed hating my name. C.J. Watson, I hate you. I was fighting for freedom to try to make a better China for my family, and now I have to make this idiot boy's guitar. <laughs> but yeah, chi no, China makes like everything. China makes a lot of electronics. Yeah. Which... I think is probably a security risk when you start buying your computer chips from China. You can like build backdoor code right into the into the chip itself. Uh huh. Interesting thing. Like my Apple phone constantly calls home to tell them what I'm up to. Really? It's like it does a check in at the home base. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's looking up porn and masturbating again. That's four times today. <laughs> Doesn't this guy ever sleep? Okay, buddy. You're cut off. <laughs> okay. Oh, the thing's going to turn black and fall off. <laughs> so, yeah, no. I don't do anything interesting on my phone. If it called and checked in, it would be like, porn, puppets, 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 porn. Oh, someone unfriended him on Facebook. <laughs> Poor guy. It doesn't tell you if people unfriend you on Facebook, though. <laughs> Which I guess is nice, because you would feel bad. I haven't checked Facebook in mm, three years. But you do get, like, with, with the page count for the Bunny Rabbit Tragedies and the Desperate Mothers, it does give you a running total. So if you are keeping track, you can tell that you have less likes. <laughs> As I told Jack last time we were on the podcast... We have to try to be a little bit entertaining because we can very much. We it's very likely that we'll get unliked if we suck too hard. You are unloved, right? <laughs> likes, unlikes, uh, activity. Seven people unliked you since yesterday. Okay, that, that, that's the new Nielsen's, the new versions of the Nielsen's rating. It's the Facebook, <laughs> Facebook unlike likes. reports, like and unlike. <laughs> But earlier we were talking about, um, I think you had mentioned the Wes Anderson. Yeah. And Budapest Hotel, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes. Basically, any Wes Anderson movie, I go and I, I watch it and I go, oh, Bill Murray's going to be in this. And it's it's going to be funny and awesome. And, and I watch it. And then the credits roll. And I'm still looking at it, going, where'd my two hours go? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Grand Budapest Hotel was, well, Bill Murray was in that. Who was this little, little piece in that? He's in every Wes Anderson movie. Every it, one of them. I enjoy the Wes Anderson movies, but they're not like, they're not funny. Slapstick funny. They're not funny. They're odd funny. They're odd. 
but they're not funny. They're peculiar. They're entertaining because they're odd. And some of the situations you might find yourself laughing at, but they're not, it's not like tickled with a feather or watch the Three Stooges laugh. It's like the office laugh. Did you ever watch The Office? I've tried. It's... I uh, the, the wife and I enjoyed The Office. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a, a big Office fan. I, d- I don't watch a lot of TV comedy. I'm more of a cop show. Procedurals. Oh, yeah. I'm not so much into the procedurals. I Sarah watch. likes her CSIs. And, no, um, Law & Order. She likes yeah. Law and Order, not CSI. Watch a lot of Elementary and uh, Once Upon a Time. Is that a procedural? No, that's interesting. There's, th- well, that there, would be inter- there are cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be an interesting procedural, though. <laughs> so the pigs are gone. Yep. <laughs> Thank God the houses were destroyed. They wore. <laughs> we have to find out who did this. Is that a wolf hair? <laughs> Um, and then, hello, Mr. Bear. You, we, we got a phone call. You reported a break in. <laughs> yeah. Yes. My, my house was tussled and our food was eaten. Um, only so much you can do with that though. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we enjoyed the, the office, uh, with, uh, Steve Carell and, and the like. Speaking of. So we went and we watched um, Foxcatcher. Foxcatcher is the one where Steve Carell plays the one of the Duponts. Hmm. Haven't uh, heard of this. And he starts funding the American wrestling, the Olympic wrestling team. And he's just an odd duck, right? So we thought, oh, Steve Carell and this. Okay. It wasn't really funny. <laughs> it wasn't a funny movie. And I was going to make a joke about it being a funny movie because – it's Steve Carell. And Steve Carell played John DuPont because John DuPont was a really odd person. Okay. Um, ultimately, he ended up shooting one of the wrestlers um, that he had hired, killing him in front of his wife. Nice. Just because he went crazy one day over something. Um, so that's the DuPont who went to jail. Yeah, who died in jail. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I remember hearing about DuPont shooting somebody and going to jail and yeah right right normally if you're a relative of the dupont family or a relation in the dupont family nothing sends you to jail apparently you can even rape your like three-year-old daughter and not go to jail if you're a dupont but there was one that did that and kind of creepy yeah and the judge dismissed didn't dismiss the case he was convicted but instead of going to jail the judge. This is Pennsylvania, where the Duponts own all the politicians, right? The Dupont seat of power. Right. So instead of going to jail uh, on sentencing, the the judge entered an official record that it would be uh, unusual hardship on him to serve time for raping a child. So commuted the jail sentence, sent him home without explanation. Yeah, that's that's shady. That is shady. <laughs> and um, 
that judge was just appointed a few months ago to head of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. So that's who I want back in my. Right. So you got to wonder. That's that's a really odd thing to do. So yeah. you're going to commute a rapist, a child rapist sentence and get rewarded by being put on the Supreme Court. Yeah. So that just makes me want to not go to Pennsylvania. <laughs> it makes me very well, especially now that I'm talking about it. Yeah. I, I definitely should not go to Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, Pennsylvania is not a state where I want to put down stakes. Um, if they, no, if they if family controls the politicians and the legal system like that, it, it's scary. It's yeah. scary. It's like the old days where you know the monarchy ruled. Only now the monarchy's the robes are made of of greenbacks. Yeah. You know, the royal color is green. Well, I'm all for that. But. Right, right. You still have to protect some people from other people. Yeah. Um, and I guess with, you know, one actually killing somebody in front of other people, they couldn't just kind of make that one go away. Commute that sentence. Right, right, yeah. You can't, like, just bring him back to life and send him to therapy to get yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> So, Foxcatcher, not a funny movie. You think it's going to be a funny movie because you hear, okay, Steve Carell, Carell, who's known for playing The Odd Guys and The Office, which was a smash comedy hit. Without comedy, some would argue, but a smash hit is going to play an odd guy. There's got to be some comedy in there. Well, it didn't look like, like, I remember seeing a trailer for it, Mm -hmm. and it didn't look like it was going to be a funny movie. It looked like the Disney sports movie. Like the Mighty Ducks? Not really. <laughs> like s- Million s- Dollar Arm. Or, oh, okay, okay. Or, or The Rookie, which was also not funny. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see The Rookie? I think it was supposed to be funny. I didn't. <laughs> The um, Natural was the one I was thinking of. The Natural is not a comedy. <laughs> yeah. Natural was not a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's your point. Yeah. <laughs> that's your point. Yeah, it wasn't going to be comedy. Yeah, it wasn't as cerebral as that, though, too, either. But Tanning Chatham was in it, so if you're a Tanning Chatham fan, boom, there you go. Mark Ruffalo was amazing in it. Mark Ruffalo is an amazing actor. Okay. Um, I think... He had probably the best performance in it. I know Steve Carell is great, but uh, maybe just suffers from the fact that quirky is what he does best. You know, at this point, he goes in there and he's being something you're used to him seeing. You don't see him like stretching his. So this wasn't a dramatic role for him. It was just him being Steve Carell again. Well, it was dramatic. I think it was dramatic. But it was all, all only the uncomfortable bits of, of his performances. And then not trying to take it over the top. So it was always that, is he joking? Is he not joking? I'm scared of that person. He was playing that the whole time. So Mark Ruffalo's performance, though, was amazing. Okay. So he really sold it. Um, I know they say J- Tanning Chatham did good, but... <laughs> He's a face. Yeah, I, I didn't really feel his performance. You know, I, I didn't think he was giving us anything that you couldn't get out of, you know, puppet. Any other leading man 
Yeah, because it was it was all down. It was all moody. You know, I I never really connected with the with his performance. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think he's a he's a decent actor, mm-hmm. but he's not one of those guys who you're going to give an Oscar to. He's a good leading man. He's the kind of guy that girls go to see movies for. Well, he's Mark, your he's your action star. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo, he's an actor. He's an actor's actor. He's not pretty. He works hard for his craft and it comes through. Him being now, the Hulk was kind of weird. Him being the Hulk is kind of weird. Mark Ruffalo, um, Channing Tatum probably works really hard for his craft too. I don't want to say that he signs in his performances, but Mark Ruffalo really brings it home. Yeah, sometimes it's the difference between being a craftsman and an artist. Yeah. I did enjoy the 21, 22 Jump Street movies. I mean, that's more up Channing Tatum's alley. Just cheese fest. Yeah, they're fun. Um, White House. Was it White House Down he was in? He was in White yeah, House Down. Yeah, it was White House Down. Yeah. He was a. <laughs> that was okay, I guess. I mean, I didn't see Magic Mike. Girls loved it. Yeah, I didn't see that one. The last movie I saw Channing Tatum in was G.I. Joe Retaliation. Yes, I love the G.I. I love G.I. Joe, so I watch the G.I. Joe movies. Yeah. Um, but those uh, were action not, movie performance. Yeah, they were action movies, and he brought home an action movie, and I loved it because that's what I was looking for. Yeah, I mean, but I'm not going to give him an Oscar for it. <laughs> it's not like he can't act, he can obviously <laughs> act. I mean, this guy. He can act and give you a good, solid performance. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to enjoy it. That's great stuff. It's like the difference between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Robert De Niro. Yeah. You know? Now, I think the question is, will Channing Tatum, will he ever have that point where he crosses over into that artist? You know, will he ever be, like, Sylvester Stallone. You know, people give Sly a bunch of shit, but Sylvester Stallone is a consummate actor. He broke out with Rocky. You know, he didn't. Yeah. He he wasn't like you know, beefcake actor who just goes, "Ugh, look at me!" and I punch somebody. I mean, what he wrote, yeah. Rocky. He yeah, he got Rocky. the he got He's, the Oscar for screenplay. You know, that wasn't that's not chump change. That wasn't uh, <laughs> that wasn't it wasn't like Ben Affleck and and what's his name Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. And I still have a problem with that movie. Oh, I liked it. I thought it a was lot okay. of people do like it, and it's not like it's a bad movie. I liked it. I, I thought it. I checked out on the Academy Awards though when they gave it to Marissa Tomei. After that, anything goes. Well, I, I, I quit watching the Academy Awards when Holly Berry won. Yeah, I was like, really? I know Catwoman did not deserve an Oscar. I was like, really? Mm, maybe not. Right? Was that for Catwoman or Swordfish? Swordfish. <laughs> no, it was Monsters Ball. It would have been. It should have been for Swordfish because tits. It was Halle Berry's tits. They deserve 
two Academy Awards right there. She should have got two Supporting Actress Academy Awards for Swordfish because those were magnificent. They weren't there long enough. It was it was very brief. Well, that's why you give them Academy Awards. You know, you want you want to promote them showing up more often in other work. Monsters Ball. Yeah, yeah, that one that was just that was a tough one to slog through. Yeah, it was it was an okay movie. It wasn't. I remember watching it and going, "Yep, why why am I watching this?" But wasn't that the year they were making a big thing about African Americans getting Academy Awards? Was that the same year Denzel won? I don't remember if it was the same year Denzel won, but I don't think Denzel deserved that. Not for that role. He Not got for... that. Uh, uh, he got that Academy Award because they owed it to him for the year that he didn't get it. Yeah. He he got that for playing against type. Well, he got that because he didn't get it when he should have when he deserved it. He should have gotten it for Philadelphia. Hanks got it for Philadelphia. Hanks did. And he should have, but I mean cuz you he couldn't get it at the same time. And for the longest time, I think the Academy felt they owed Denzel. And then the year before, he was up for something that was really big and he didn't get it. So yeah. I think everybody knew Training Day was a piece of shit. Yeah. I I was like, "What? Training Day was a piece of shit and Denzel is amazing cuz Denzel is amazing. Yeah. I everything I watch him in I'm invested in. Just He's because a brilliant actor. He he makes you invest in his performance. But training day I wasn't invested in. It was just another bad guy. And I've seen bad guys before. This is nothing new for me. Did you see the equalizer? I did not. I quit watching radar movies. So if it's okay. not PG-13 or PG, I probably haven't seen it. So he was fun to watch an Equalizer, but he was just another over-the-top super ex-CIA guy who can walk into a room and kick everybody's ass. It was taken only with Denzel. It totally felt like <laughs> it, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to walk into this room and I'm going to kick all of your butts in 25 seconds, 24. <laughs> One, see, I told you. Uh, Two Guns was interesting. Two Guns was pretty interesting. Two Guns? Okay. Uh, we enjoyed that. They, they tried to be a lot smarter than it was, and it wasn't as smart as they thought it was, but it was still entertaining. It was like, he's a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. He's a bad guy. This other guy's not a bad guy. Marky Mark's a bad guy. No, Denzel's a bad guy. Now let's flip the script. But nothing really gets flipped because it's just an action movie. It's not that smart. Yeah. Um, did you see Flight? Like, How long ago did you stop watching? Um Didn't see Flight. I quit watching Radar movies before Flight. At least two years ago. Minimum. I, I enjoyed Flight. I thought that was, uh, that I can't was a good... I can't even remember the last Radar movie I saw. Let's see. He did Safe House before that, and that was good. Safe House. Don't know that one. It could have been like the Equalizer <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Two Guns. Um, Unstoppable about the train before that? I saw that one. Okay. Unstoppable. 
and same year book of eli i did see book of eli so that that would be one of the last rare Air movies i saw <laughs> <laughs> so okay so when he got it for training day he did remember the titans before that okay um and then the bone collector and siege whatever um so i really think they gave denzel washington the academy award for training day because they didn't give it to him for one of the roles he actually deserved it so you know so oh the mighty quinn going back to 1989 that was an interesting movie i remember the mighty quinn i remember not quite watching the whole thing oh but it was fun i enjoyed it I've seen it a couple times he did glory yep um Heart Condition, Mobetta Blues, Mississippi and Masala, Ricochet. Malcolm X, he played Malcolm X. Yep. Uh, the Much Ado About Nothing, Pelican Brief, Philadelphia. Now, Much Ado About Nothing, that was an odd role for him. Mm -hmm. Because he played a Italian prince during the Renaissance. How many black Italian princes do you know in the Renaissance? Yeah. Um, I didn't see that one. It's a good play. Good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they were even way more racist than we are now. I was like, I didn't know his character was a Moor. He was not. He was not a. He Moor. wasn't a Moor. Yeah. Well, that's in in Shakespearean work. Black people are the Moors. Moors. Yeah. He wasn't a Moor. He was just a prince. Kind of harkens back to um, the scene in True Romance where where. Christian Slater's father, Dust, Dust, not Dustin Hoffman. I know I want Dennis to say Hopper. That. Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper um, starts uh, right when he's defiant <laughs> in the torture scene. Right, he starts going off about you know. Yes, he tosses out the N word and refers to the Italians as having Moorish blood. Talks about Sicily and why. The Sicilians have dark hair. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was a great scene. <laughs> and it was really a, a smart scene. I think one of Quentin Tarantino's best scripts. Yeah. I mean, it was an offensive scene, but the undertones, what, what his dad was doing was he was riling up the guy to get him mad, to shoot, mad enough to shoot him so he couldn't torture the information out of him and yeah. give away the whereabouts of his son. So it was the most offensive scene of self-sacrifice ever filmed in cinematic history. <laughs> the, the thing I love about Tarantino's, especially his early work, like True Romance, I still call that a Tarantino film, even though it was uh, Scott did it. Not Directing? Rid not Ridley, but the other one. Oh, right. Ridley Scott? Um, Ridley's brother. The one that uh, committed suicide didn't know yeah but he directed but it's still 
It was Tarantino's script. It was Tarantino's script, and they didn't screw it up. No, it was an amazing movie. It was an amazing script. Yeah. The, the threat of violence is constant. And you're always just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And occasionally it does. But that threat of violence is always there. Like Reservoir Dogs, one of my favorite Tarantino films of all time. You think of it as one of the most violent movies you've ever seen. But really, there's very little violence in it. It's the threat of violence that is always there. Right, because you don't see a lot of the shooting. I, I remember when Reservoir Dogs came out. I remember when um, was it Roger Ebert reviewed it uh, on his show, yeah. and he he was saying how incredibly violent the movie was. And you know, I think at that point he was lamenting the fact that such a talented filmmaker was breaking into the mainstream on such an extremely violent movie but and there really there was a few there were a few shootout scenes in there yeah there was a lot of blood and a couple scenes yeah and mr orange had blood all over him in the car and while he was laying there but you didn't even see how that happened you you don't see him get shot you mm. don't see anybody get shot really uh, the cops in the alley when they're running to yeah. a safe house and then the final scene yeah. it's about the only shoot, shooting the torture scene with the cop when yeah. they finally kill him and then the final shootout or what three instances of shooting yeah and yeah it, so it's not it's not like a, it's not torture porn like the saw like the Hostile movies. movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the threat that is constantly there, um, and it feels like it's violent. It's what happens when I think somebody else directs the movie because in directing is when you can take that script and then you set the pace, you know. How you get from point A to point B is done by directing and editing. Yeah. But, I mean, you have to have a great script to start with. Yeah. So, you know, and that's one reason I love movies because it's not just usually one person's um, one person's idea we're seeing. I mean, you, you started at the core and hopefully you get to the point that everyone wants to be. You get that vision shared with everybody, but no one person can bring it to life. Yeah. So when everything comes together, it's a magical thing. Yeah, you've got all the people working behind the scenes. You've got your actors who are giving you your performances. You've, there's a whole load of work. I remember in, uh, I remember in art classes in college where you start out with an idea for a painting a picture a drawing whatever you're working on and really you know i think it was probably second year somewhere in there uh, someone had told me that the work they finished with when they were at their exhibit that i was at an exhibit is not necessarily the original vision that they had in their head when they started out 
you know, a, as they keep working on the work, the work grows and becomes something that's true and, and singular in itself. So hopefully you're happy with it by the time you get there and you're finished. But if you try to force it and try to make it what you want it to be from that initial vision, it's going to fight you every step of the way. Okay. So, so uh, it takes on a life of its own and becomes its own yeah. creature. Yeah. And you know that has to happen with movies. Yeah. Otherwise they don't get finished. I think it, it's probably even more a, a living uh, work of art in television and something fast-paced like that. Well, you've got – with television, you don't have a writer. You have a writer's room and five or six guys throwing around ideas and maybe one guy who writes this episode, mm -hmm. you know, but he's taking ideas from four other people. Well, oftentimes, like even in procedurals, if you're talking about, they'll purchase – X amount of episodes for the season ahead of time and right before they go in you'll have your writing team jump on and make sure it works with all the characters because you know you might have bought a story that's a break-in featuring one or two cops investigating but you need to mold that into something that adds hey from the time we purchased this to the time we got we're going to shoot it we've added three characters and this person quit yeah and we've changed locations since we purchased the script so and we've got this running storyline that goes throughout. And we want to insert some of that in there, yeah. too. You know, sometimes, I guess, you can buy scripts that are made to order. But more often than not, you know, the show's going to change as, as yeah. you work on it. But I don't know. Um, I've seen a lot of behind-the-scenes writer's room stuff. And sometimes the whole team writes everything together, especially like sitcoms and, yeah. and stuff like that that's going but I, I know procedurals you can, and hour-long dramas, you can sell them to, to agents or to studios who buy them through your agents, and then they kind of tweak them and change them exactly like that. I want to wholesale to Once Upon a Time. Here's a procedural for Once Upon a Time. Tweak that. Write them a, <laughs> <laughs> so write them a spec script. Yeah. Send it off. See what they say. All they can say is no. <laughs> no, we are not uh, tracking down Goldilocks for B and E. <laughs> Uppity white blonde girls think they could just break into the hood, <laughs> get away with it. <laughs> yeah, no, poor Goldilocks. She's doing five. Crazy Gold, girl jumped out my window, <laughs> ran. Gold is the new black. <laughs> it's Goldilocks in prison. Oh, she would be tortured by the, all the wicked stepsisters and and the bad villains. It'd be like it'd be like uh, fairy tales slash it's fairy tales meet Oz, the HBO prison drama. Yeah, it's not it's not your mama's Oz. <laughs> It might be your fairy godmother's office. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be twisted. It's a fairy tale crime drama mashup. Yeah. I was reading a, a comic book where Cinderella is a super spy and she's fighting Dorothy Gale, who is a freelance assassin for the fables of Russia. 
Who so was which one's the bad guy? Dorothy. Oh, the one who went to Oz? Yes. Okay. Is that like a long running story or is that a, like a, a one shot? It was a it was a one shot off to the side story, but I thought it was amazing. Dorothy Gale as a freelance assassin. And she started with The Witch, right? Yes. The that, Witch was her first hit. That's that got her to the taste for it. Yep. She got a taste for it by killing the witch. So you were telling me about this fable series. <laughs> yes. All the all the fables that you know and love, Snow White, the Big Bad Wolf, all these characters live in this neighborhood in New York. And they've got all the witches and stuff to make magic spells to hide this neighborhood from the Mundies or the mundane people so that nobody notices that these fables oh, are so, here. So they're not like, they didn't move to Brooklyn under the gentrification of the city or anything. Yeah. They're, they're, they're actually hidden. They're, I mean, they're, most of them live in an apartment complex in, in the city, hidden, so that mundane people aren't coming in trying to rent from the same apartment complex. Is it like Harry Potter where they're like, they're like hidden between space? No, it's hidden like, oh, I just didn't notice that. Oh, street. like magic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just didn't notice Bullfinch Street was there. Okay, okay. But does that happen in the book? Yeah. Okay. Um, the Mundies just don't go into that neighborhood because it's hidden. <laughs> okay, so there's some like a magical spell aura around it that makes yeah. people just not take notice. Yeah. Okay, so and do they like go to the grocery store and shop and do all that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, they okay. read comics and go to the grocery store. Cinderella's cover, she's a super spy. But her cover is she runs a shoe store, which makes sense with glass slippers and mm -hmm. all. It's the shoe store is called the glass slipper, and then the the three bears from Goldilocks and the Three Bears they run Mister Bear's candy shop. Are they actual bears? Uh, they are actual bears, but they have a glamour that makes them look like people. Oh, okay. And so if you if you can afford a glamour, which is a spell that makes you look like a human, then you can live down in the populated New York area with the rest of the humans. If not, all the animal fables, the giants, the dragons live up on the farm, which is in the rural country in New York. Like upstate New York, yeah. where all where they send off all the hicks and yeah, people that don't it's, rate the city life. Yeah, it's it's kind of hidden, and uh, a lot of the a lot of the guys on the farm are are pissed off because they don't like being trapped up on the farm because you can't go anywhere. And so giants can't ride the subway and go into town. Like giants can't leave. You know the farm's only so big. And if you're a giant, 
there's not a lot of room to. So how do they get in New York? Uh, There are gateways or portals from all the different worlds Mm -hmm. to other worlds. And there was a a big war. This guy called the Adversary, who at the beginning of the, the book, you don't know who the Adversary is. But the Adversary has been taking over the worlds. He's building armies and taking over the worlds and uh, all these fables are running to the mundane world, our world, to hide from the adversary because he's destroying everything and if your city or town or world defies the adversary he just kills you, wipes you out and then He's not defiant anymore. Okay, so if you make, if you can make good your escape, though, you can get to up, you, upstate New York and go live on a farm. Yeah, it, or in the woodland, which is the apartment complex that <laughs> okay. all these fables live in. And uh, you've got Bluebeard, Prince Charming. Prince Charming is actually uh, a really charming guy, and... He's also a womanizing cad who's slept with Snow White's sister, Rose Red. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought you were going to tell me he's a homosexual. No. He, <laughs> he's metro. Pretty much straight. But uh, he just, if, if it's got two legs, walks upright and has a hole between its legs, he's ready to fill that hole. <laughs> <laughs> so he... Not exactly the best of guys. No, but he's he, charming. Is he a good guy though? I mean, he he is a good guy. He's, but he's he's not a hero. Okay. As you would think of a hero, he's more like John Mayer. <laughs> the musician. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody seems to like him, but he's not really a good guy because <laughs> he's just banging everybody. <laughs> and then you've got the Big Bad Wolf, who is Fable Town's sheriff. Okay. Uh, Snow White is the deputy mayor. Old King Cole is the mayor of Fable Town. Is he drunk? No, he doesn't. He doesn't get drunk. He's very worried about money, though, because it takes a lot of money to fund a whole town and uh, there's uh, Cinderella, Snow White, Beauty and the Beast okay uh, Beast still whenever Bo- Beauty's pissed off at him uh, turns back into a beast so as long as she's happy with him and, and they're all in love everything's kosher but when she gets angry so he's in the doghouse. Everybody can tell. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The beast comes back. Um, Sleeping Beauty's there. Uh, the Snow Queen actually works for the adversary. So Elsa's a bad guy. Okay. Elsa's not Elsa. Elsa's loony. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> so this is going on for a while, the, um, the series? That series has been around for about 10 years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
you can get you can get the whole thing in trade paperback. Um, I borrowed it from the library. I've got the first couple that I just bought, but yeah, you can find it. Okay, and, and it's a is that a PC title? It's a Vertigo. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I've seen it. I just I've never read it. It's it's an amazing book. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you have you read any other comic books? Um, I just got done reading uh, the Frank Miller, the first volume of Frank Miller's Visionaries. Oh yeah, uh, which is the stuff that Frank Miller didn't write, but was the artist for on Daredevil, from way way back. Yeah, back in seventy nine and eighty. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say the eighties. Yeah, was the day. And then I got done. I just finished reading the entire run of Young Justice, which is Superboy, Impulse, and Robin, their super team back mm-hmm. in like early two thousands. Yeah, no, I haven't read that either. That's a good. That's a good series. Peter David wrote that one. Okay. Okay. Um, Peter David's okay. Yeah. I've I've not always been a fan. You know, sometimes the stuff is really good, sometimes not. I wasn't a big fan of what he did with the Hulk way back with the Gray yeah. Hulk and yeah. what was it, Mr. What was it? Gosh, remember that Gray Hulk persona, the gangster type persona? Yeah. Yeah, I was not a fan of that. And that turned me off of Peter David for a long time. Well, he's Young Justice is kind of a comedy mm-hmm. title. It gets kind of dark towards the end, but it's it's mainly just tongue in cheek throughout. So it was a fun read. Okay. Um. And the last thing I read, I, w- I was reading zombies versus robots today. It was a new zombies versus robots. Yeah, and I couldn't tell you who did it because I just picked it. was just out of curiosity. I, I picked it up and I'm like, I'm going to read this. And I read this and it was about uh, a robots. Um, pretty much they were robots after the zombie apocalypse. And apparently zombie apocalypse was, was began by uh, a doctor who opened an interdimensional portal to a zombie planet. Zombies came through, ate all the people. I think the robots hadn't just like done a Terminator on the planet earth to take over and then next thing you know all these ro- all these zombies come through so uh, the book opens up with like eh, after the fact you know showing us all of those events and they're trying to figure out if there's still zombies on the planet right now so we see a space station where they're like defrosting the last of the living regular humans for whatever reason i don't know because i just read the first book so I have to wait for the next book to see what happens. Okay. Um, have to say, Zombies vs. Robots was an interesting title, and I'm not sh- entirely sure it can deliver upon its promise. But I did some research, and I saw that there was previous Zombies vs. Robots series. So I'm going to have to now go back and check that out to see if it's actually decent or not. Um, so if anybody has listened to – if anybody listening has, li- has read Zombies vs. Robots – um, shoot me an email, cj at desperatemothers.net, and let me know if it was worth reading or not. Or hit me up on the Twitter, you know, CJ Watson. Um, not the basketball player. I'm the, the, the fat white guy with the puppet. Um, 
you weren't here on the last podcast. I don't think I told you, but uh, my Twitter, CJ Watson. I share the same name as the Indiana Pacer, CJ Watson. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> but nice to be loved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, the guy's younger than me, and he's better looking, and he's an athlete, and probably a little taller, <laughs> a little bit taller. <laughs> Darker complexion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I get these taunts weekly that are aimed at him. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you know. You got the wrong CJ, dude. Yeah. You, you, can, uh, you can rag on my fadeaway all you want. <laughs> I'm not going to take it personal because that's not me. Yeah, my fadeaway sucks. I'm yeah. first to admit. <laughs> but... Yeah, anytime any listeners can hit me up. Uh, my Twitter's at CJ Watson, um, CJ at DesperateMothers.net. If you want to send me an email, let me know you're listening. That would be awesome because I know there's listeners now. We got traffic, we got downloads. We're on iTunes. We're on we're on uh, Sketchers Radio, Stitcher, 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 Stitcher. Hi, mom. So. Yeah, and so hopefully we're, we'll pick up new new listeners, new subscribers this week, every week. We get the advertising campaign going on the Google AdWords, oh. Bing ads, Facebook ads. It's always a good thing. Um, drumming up interest in the podcast and hopefully transition into the bunny rabbit tragedies. Which I should have been here to help with, but I kind of faded. Uh, well, in the next couple months, we'll start shooting. I, I've been debating getting a, a booth at WonderCon. It's coming up so fast. I think we're just going to step back and let it go. I was talking to the sales guy, and I'm thinking we're just going to be pushing it right now, pushing it to get to get done, and I think it would make us hurry and maybe cut corners where we shouldn't cut corners. Okay. So I'm going to have to like step back, let WonderCon go again. I mean, I didn't go last year. Where is WonderCon at? Anaheim. Anaheim? Uh, April 3rd to the 5th. So really, it's two months. Yeah, that's yeah. not a lot of time to, unless you've got your ducks in a row. Right, right. No, and my ducks don't even have their faces on yet. So, yeah. So if you notice behind you, we've got a few flats that Jack and I have been building. Yes. Yes, so we've got to put the supports on those so we can use those as the backdrops. And then we have the background material that we have to put in between. And then we've got the puppets here. I've got the light kit behind me. Camera. We're going to be shooting on a, a Panasonic Lumix at uh, 4K resolution. So 4K, just 5K, whatever it takes. <laughs> Logistics-wise, we're almost there. Um, and then once the basic construction of the puppets are finished, I want to get the French onion completed so we can s do some of his sketch, his sketches. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you like the puppets? Because <laughs> you put your hand up their backside, you dirty pervert. <laughs> no, that's not funny. It's not a joke I like to make. Something about rabbits. About the puppets. <laughs> but French Onion, he's just annoying. But even if he's a little bit as popular as Annoying Orange, we're, we're going to be set for life. Golden. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and he's gonna be better because he's actually gonna be a puppet um on a on a trigger because he's a little round guy he's probably gonna be as big as like uh a, one of those farm grown onions on miracle grow i don't know i we were at a farmer's market a few months back and we came back with this onion the size of almost like a a handball you know not a racquetball and not as big as a kickball but a little bit smaller so it was large it was a huge like onion. shot put size yeah yeah so i thought man that's that's what the french onion's got to be he's got to be a slightly bigger than normal onion not tiny and then he's gonna have his mouth move it's gonna look a little bit like uh Terrence and Philip and the way that the mouth just kind of moves up and down and there's not going to be any tongue or inside tongue or anything inside you're going to see rings of onion <laughs> so you nope. gonna make a lot of fart jokes like Terrence and no I think they got that covered we're going to just stick to the double entendres <laughs> and, and trying to make something sexually suggestive out of stuff that's not okay so that's why he's, he's just going to be annoying <laughs> So we got that to listen. We got that to look forward to, and yeah, we didn't have a, a problem running to an hour this time. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, just sitting around being an idiot, I can do that. <laughs> so that's good, good. Cause, yeah, I don't have a problem doing that either. In fact, I, I try not to steamroll over you, but <laughs> apparently, uh, as we get used to this. More often, I'll just steamroll over you and you'll get louder. Like normal. Like normal game yeah. night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this week's uh, podcast and come back next week. Um, hop on. I'm CJ Watson. I'm Jason Rice. Yeah. Have a good week. Oh.